I noticed too, when I put on weight, they used to really piss me off because I'd say like, oh, I don't want to, I don't go, you know, because I just feel really fat and, mm. or like, and people go, oh, you look fine. And they really brush it aside. Mm. And I started to really get this understanding of like what it's like to, to truly hold space for someone when they're really emotional about something. Because mm. most women, like if I don't know a woman who's not cared about her weight. Welcome to the Win at Life podcast a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can break free from restrictive diets and build a body and life you love. I'm Kitty Bloomfield, co-founder of New Strength and your host for this episode. Today, I'm sitting down with my friend and fellow pro-metabolic eater, Leela. I just love Leela. She's warm, funny, and open. And the first time we chatted, we just clicked. We actually went to record this podcast initially and we talked for one and a half hours and had to reschedule because just like me, she loves a good chin wag. Leela is a health and performance coach of 18 years, riding the uncomfortable journey of healing and putting weight loss last. She talks about her struggles as someone who's always been fit and energetic to struggling to work, mother and live. She talks about her battle with Hashimoto's and the confronting journey of what it's like to be overweight as a health and fitness professional and accepting the 30 kilos of weight gain is part of the healing journey and healing her metabolism. She also talks about doing the inner work and how it's one of the key foundations to loving your body. Leela has a story that I'm sure so many women can relate to. I just love this episode and I'm sure you'll love it and Leela. As always, take a screenshot and share your biggest takeaways on Instagram stories and tag me at K-I-T-T-Y-B-L-O-M-F-I-E-L-D. Let's spread the word and free other women from restrictive diets. Hi, Leela. Welcome to the podcast. This is take two for us. I really love... Um, Kitty. <laughs> I really love Leela. I think she's just awesome. She's really warm and open and um, just it's very transparent. You know, we've been talking about sex and body image and weight gain and like we were supposed to do this last week, but we ended up talking for like an hour and then we're like, shit, we've run out of um, run out of time to actually do the, the podcast. But Leela also follows a similar nutrition approach to us. So the pro-metabolic eating, she... Um, has clients of her own and works with clients. You work with clients that have injuries too, don't you? Yeah. So, yeah, I do like quite a lot of rehab stuff. So my training was based in the Czech program mm. uh, in San Diego. And um, so the Czech system really looks at the body as a system of systems. And so if you're injured, how they all connect together. And so as a now I'm a level four Czech practitioner, so we work with the cervical spine and jaw and all that sort of stuff, shoulder all those kinds of injuries mm. um, and nutrition is a big part of it, obviously, because obviously. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I do more of a training and nutrition, but also got quite big on the emotional coaching as well, because really everything that we choose to do training wise, food wise comes from our beliefs, our values, our trauma, Mm. our addictions our stress and so yeah i do it all really but one-on-one not uh, i don't have a group program like you guys do i'll probably be a lot less stressed if i had a group program <laughs> you got bigger bigger you get the bigger more bigger problems that you get different different problems um, different. <laughs> um but leela's got a really uh a really great story i think too and we often message um and I think a lot of women could probably relate to her story she's um still in it now she 
she, I mean, you tell the story, you tell it, you, you tell it. Well, like- yeah. So I've been working in the health and fitness industry for 17 years. And then uh, a couple, a few years ago, so I've come from a probably a different background where a lot of your women have come from because I've always been naturally slim. Mm. So I'm Sri Lankan from um, cultural background. And so we're naturally very skinny people. So I've always come from, you know, I used to get picked on at school for being too skinny. Um, people used to ask me such weird questions. <laughs> and uh, and then when I left school, I was, you know, I went, did some modelling for money um, and, you know, that was opened my eyes up to a whole <laughs> new world that I just didn't want to be in and I couldn't work out why everyone was you know not eating I'm like I'm starving can we just eat please (laughs) I've always had a really high metabolism and I've always liked eating a lot of food Mm. Uh, and then when I got into training it was just um, to build put on muscle mass so I wouldn't be so skinny Mm. Um, but obviously genetics play a big role right so both of my parents have thyroid problems Mm. um, and so that over time that's manifested in me and so one of the big things that was bad was I took the pill when I was a teenager because I had bad acne and then when I came off the pill yeah Mm. and then when I came off the pill I had Hashimoto's so I've really been dealing with Hashimoto's since I was about 25 years old and I'm now almost 40 so and you know it's been a long journey right to get down the road of actually understanding how you work with those kind of problems. And the, and the real tipping point for me was I've always kept it at bay, but I've never really truly got to the bottom of it. And the tipping point was four years ago we were living in a house that was full of mould mm. and I got really sick from the mould and I developed something that's been named in the functional medicine world as chronic inflammatory response syndrome from mold disease and then I did the whole treatment protocol to overcome that and I think that the treatment protocol actually made me really sick and so now I'm dealing with recovering from the treatment protocol and this that's going to sound really contentious because there's a lot of people that believe that that treatment protocol really works but essentially that you know there's this big belief that mold is fed by sugar so there's a lot of people I didn't obviously I didn't do the sugar-free diet that you're supposed to do because I know at least knew that much better (laughs) um but there's a misunderstanding in that yeah so they use a a binder to take the mold out of your body so basically if you have this problem the the theory is that you can't detoxify it so the mold just keeps recirculating in your system so you take a binder that attracts the mold to it in your stomach and then you can basically poo it out and the binder that they find that works for that is cholestyramine which is a cholesterol lowering medication so i think what's happened to me is that the cholestyramine exacerbated the cellular health problems that i had in the first place from hashimoto's and then the other thing that because you're on the cholestyramine, they're like, oh, you need to keep your fats up. So they put you on quite a high dose of fish oils, Dang. which is not the same. <laughs> and so, you know, when I did it, I, I I guess the big thing that I have empathy for is that I was so sick, like I had chronic insomnia, chronic fatigue, like really bad oedema, and I felt like I'd lost my whole life. Mm. And 
so I was in this de- place of desperation where I was like, whatever anyone tells me to do it, do I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And so what I've really connected with is how many women get sick and they just do whatever without really understanding why they're doing it. And so it took me a while to wake up, even with the knowledge that I had, which sometimes I get a bit embarrassed about because I'm like, oh, I should have known better. But when you've got brain fog and you're exhausted and you're really emotional, like I also just had had a baby as well. So you're exhausted, you're emotional. Sometimes you don't make the best decisions for yourself. Mm-hmm. And so luckily, I know I had Josh Rubin from East West Healing because um, I remember messaging him in my pregnancy going my temperature is really low and that's when I started realizing there was something wrong with me and then after I had my daughter I just completely lost my appetite like I just couldn't eat so I was breastfeeding but I just couldn't eat so I had to force feed myself for the last few years I'm still force feeding myself basically to keep my calories up so Josh helped me a lot Josh Rubin from East West Healing and then of course Tomo who Mm. everyone on this podcast knows because I contacted Tomo because I knew that his PhD, his master's was in pollution and thyroid. And so I was like, well, he's got to know something about mould. Mm-hmm. And so I contacted Tomo. So he's been really been helping me. Mm-hmm. And um, but, <laughs> but I laugh because I'm so t- baffling even to Tomo that he has to sometimes ring Ray Pete and Ray Pete like weighs in on what to do with me. I'm a nutcase. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a nutcase. But I guess the hard thing, you know, the thing that I struggle with was not just the energy loss and, all the symptoms um, because all of those are slowly getting better. Mm. You know, I was running my own business and I had to give that up because I was just too tired and couldn't really do it. But I am intolerant to exercise. So Mm. every time I get back into training, I regress. Um, I haven't found the right amount of training. It's only just been recently that I've been able to go for walks without Mm. a walk, like making me swell up like the marshmallow man. Um, So, you know, I can't... I had to surrender and give up training, give up work, like, and now I'm just getting, you know, this last 12 months getting back into work in a big way. But the training still really just pisses me off. I can say that on this podcast. It just pisses me off. Okay, good. And then, um, and also the weight gain, obviously. So I'm put on 30 kilos. Wow. Which is essentially half my body weight because I was 60 kilos and now I was 57 kilos now I'm like you know 85 90 kilos so and then my and I have to say like you know I'm quite a I've always been quite a vain person like I've not maybe vain is not the word but I I care about what I look like and I've always cared about what I I love about you you're, you're really honest I like that you're really honest. Like, you know, like a lot of people go, like I think, you know, and it, I, I really feel like it's finding that fine balance. Is It's not getting so obsessed and it's not just about how you look. It's obviously about how you yeah. feel. But, you know, it's like sometimes in this whole world, I think women, oh, don't worry about how you look. Like you shouldn't even care at all if you've gained all this weight. You know, you just need to focus on this. And I think that's unrealistic. Yeah. Like it's not like you want to be shredded and be walking around with a thick pack, but, you know, it's, I, I do believe, obviously, it's okay to want to improve the outside, but not at the expense of the inside, of course. Yeah, totally. And this is where you come back to the balance thing, right? But I think part yeah. of that healing is, like I was talking about it with a client this morning, is mm. she's a, some people just really express themselves in a very visual way and that's, you know, through style or the way they have their hair or, you know, mm. they 
that's how they express themselves and that's you know there's there's quite a lot of psychology behind that and that's totally okay so I think it's accepting that that's part of who you are like I'm quite into fashion and quite into you know like all that sort of stuff so I feel like all of a sudden I can't express myself in a way so it's not just about being thin and lean it's like I've lost a bit of my identity Mm. and sometimes I look in the mirror and I just go who the fuck is that girl like, I don't expect it. I still have this memory in the back of my mind of what I look like. And sometimes I go look in the mirror and go, oh, shit, who's, like, where, where am I? Mm. You know, like, because I've probably weighed the same most of my adult life. You know? mm. um, so, but I think it's really important. What I notice too, when I put on weight, it used to really piss me off because I'd say, like, oh, I don't want to. I don't go, you know, because I just feel really fat and mm. or like, and people go, oh, you look fine. And they really brush it aside. Mm. And I started to really get this understanding of like what it's like to to truly hold space for someone when they're really emotional about something. Because mm. most women, like if I don't know a woman who's not cared about her weight, right? yeah, or, or even how the, I think it's how you look to, you know, like if you weigh a bit more, but you're a bit leaner or you're, you know, yeah. strong and, yeah, like doesn't, has not cared at all about how they look. Yeah. Yeah. I never had a moment where they've gone, oh, you know, I don't know, I just feel self-conscious or I just, yeah. like no one's ever not had that moment. Totally. Right? <laughs> no one, unless you're blind. Yeah. And no offence to blind people. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. like, but blind people probably have it too. They're probably like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm, what I don't know what I look like. like. What do I look like? Does everyone think I look funny? Because I don't know what I look like. Yeah. Like it's just part of how you represent yourself to the world, you know. Mm. And what really upset me was that I'd say that, oh, I just don't. And people would be like, oh, don't worry about it. Yeah, like, like, like brush it off like it doesn't matter. Yeah, and this is a problem we have in society that we don't hold space for someone mm. when they're upset about something. We have to, like, brush it off and cheer them up or don't worry about it. Nobody cares. Like, you're amazing. I love you just the way you are. Yeah, well, that's all really great. <laughs> but the yeah. fat max... The fact of the matter is that I put on 30 kilos and I feel like shit. And then you get really angry and you go like, mate, you were whinging last week about putting two kilos on and you were going to go do something stupid to lose two kilos. Can you imagine what it feels like, you know? 30 kilos on. Put 30 kilos on. And I remember like one of my friends having, saying something about someone and the way they looked, you know, when you just talk about something like, oh my God, what's that woman wearing over there you know one of those kind of conversations she'd said something quite negative about someone else and I thought oh my god what does she think about me if that's what she's saying about other people mm. so it's this whole new world for me of like body image issues and that I'd never experienced before mm. I'd really experienced because I'm dark skinned I'd experienced racism mm. but I'd never experienced so I did obviously get picked on for being too skinny but as I got older I was that you know it's pretty good to be skinny when you're, you know, it's just when I was a kid, but when you're older and, just, you know, but yeah, it was just a real eye opener for me, this whole world of being body conscious. Yeah. You know, whenever you message me, I'm always like, it must be really hard for you. Like, it is, not, well, it's like, hard because you're a practitioner and you can't yeah. change it. Yeah. And, so and I've you, had to sit here and go, well, what is it? Why is this yeah. my experience? And, what am I supposed to learn? And, you know, there's a part of like having to go through acceptance mm. Mm. of just being, you know, 
and obviously like my my husband still loves me like he's he's like he jokes and he says well if you imagine if you were that skinny I'd be trying to get in your pants like twice as much as I do now so and you know I have time for that so <laughs> you know so, so he's not bothered because <laughs> he's awesome yeah. oh, <laughs> But so it's it's all your own perception. But then he's also really great because he'll sit there and listen to me and say, "Yeah, I get it. Like you just he it must be really hard. Like he, yeah. he sizes and holds space for me. So he's awesome. You're not just brushing it off and going. And also, too, you used to be so active. Like we've talked about that before. You know, you did your gymnastics, you did the lifting, and you're a really active person. Oh, just, you can't yeah. be active anymore. Yeah, and that's been hard with my daughter too because. I always, like, before I had my daughter, I was looking after my three, my cousin's three daughters, and I would take them out every afternoon and we'd play soccer and we'd go to the park and I'd be climbing the play equipment with them and doing the monkey bars with them and stuff. I was so physically active and running around with them. And now with my own daughter, like, I'm so stiff. Like, that's one of the side effects of having a low thyroid rise than being so stiff. And so I'm like, oh, so hard to get off the floor. Jesus. And sometimes she wants to play. I'm like, can we just play a lying down game for a little while? (laughs) Let's do a lying down game. Let's play doctors. Yeah. Mummy will lie yeah. down. You be the doctor. <laughs> She's like giving me medicine. Are you better yet? No, I'm not better. I need to lie here a bit longer. You know. So I didn't envision like myself being that kind of mother. And you know, she sleeps all night and I sleep all night. So, you know, that shouldn't be an issue. Like obviously when you have a new baby and you're not sleeping, it's normal to want to lie down all day. Don't worry, all the mums listening, that's normal. Um but when they get to, you know, she's three and a half, I should be, like, she more energy. got onto the playroom the other day and she climbed up so high and then she couldn't get down and she totally freaked out. And I had to climb up and get her. And I was up there thinking, oh, my God, this, I used to be able to do this stuff like a brain, then I couldn't get down. <laughs> you know, whereas you normally I used to do gymnastics, I just jump off stuff and hang off stuff and flip off stuff. And, I mean, I wasn't a competitive gym, gymnast for anyone mm-hmm. listening. I just did it as a fun form of exercise mm. I only started doing it in my 20s and um, I'm way too tall to be a gymnast too so but I just had this moment of like it's just not supposed to be like this like I want to be cl- I want to be with her doing this with her not watching her mm. I don't want to be a, a, a spectator I want to be a participant you know in my daughter's life because I got the I got the daughter that I always wanted was this mm. active like and you know she's not scared of anything she's just like Half the time you're trying to go, oh, my God, she's climbed up the thing. I better <laughs> go. She's just so courageous. Mm. So, and have have yeah, you ever been interesting. Have you ever thought about doing stupid stuff, like had thoughts about restrictive dieting or, you know, doing stupid things to get the weight off? When I first started putting a bit of weight on I was like I'll drop some carbs or like but I've never done anything extreme because I understand too much about the science that's good and so I think that's what great it's great like when you do a program like yours where you're measuring body temperature and pulse you're like well the body doesn't lie right so I can't ignore the symptom yeah yeah, you can't run away it's very no like yeah, it's not confronting. Oh, it is confronting sometimes, I think, because you, you realise, I think, all of a sudden that you can't do the shit that you used to do. Yeah. Like that it's going to take time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you just can't. But I do have a joke sometimes to my husband. I'm like, oh, maybe I should go and find out about that fat freezing because if all the toxins are in my adipose tissue, maybe I should just get all my fat frozen. <laughs> 
toxin and all the toxins will just go and then everything will be better. But I say it as a joke. Yeah, but there's yeah. a part of me that wishes you could just step in a machine. Just <laughs> oh, I bet. Because how long has it been now? How many months four, has it been like this? Four years. Fuck. Has it been four years? Yeah, well, well three and a half years because it started when my daughter was sick. Yeah, wow. But I think, too, what I should mention is before I had my daughter, so there was four years where I was having work done on my jaw. Mm. And so I actually for four years I did chronic fasting for four years, not because I intentionally wanted to fast but because yeah. my jaw hurt so much that I couldn't eat. Yeah, wow. And so what I did was get into this pattern of probably what most of the women do that come and see us, right? Mm. I'd have an espresso first thing in the morning at like 5.30 in the morning mm. and then I wouldn't eat till like 8 o'clock and then because I couldn't eat in front of everyone because my jaw was so sore and it was so painful and then I was just living on smoothies all the time. So I, have, I was really restricted in calories because how many smoothies can you make in a day that equal 2,000 calories? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I think I did a significant amount of damage over four years and there were points where I was too thin. I was really too thin, like I should show you some photos. And I was really self-conscious about it. I didn't want to be that thin. But what, what I really think about is the reason why I did get susceptible to mould disease is I wasn't resilient, you know, going to live in that house. So four years of accidental fasting, mm. basically. So every six weeks I'd have, you know, adjustment done to my braces or the appliances that I had. So every six weeks I'd basically have a whole week of just fasting because I was in so much pain. Um, and I just didn't have a system that was robust enough to stand that. And also, you know, like I was working, running my own business. So I was just, and I was still trying, like I was still training as much. I was still doing it as much activity, but not counting in the caloric deficit. Mm. So maybe if I'd had down weeks or I don't know, planned a bit more. So I do think that was a huge part of it. And always throughout my whole entire life, I've had issues with low blood sugar like I've always been had issues where if I got hungry I'd like kill you like death to anyone who was around me that so I could never go for without food for long periods of time but then when I did this thing with my teeth I kind of got used to it and I kind of fell into the adrenaline cycle of it right because you have that whole rush of adrenaline when you don't eat Mm. and so I think it was there was more than that. So I'd go for really long periods without eating and it turned into a habit. And that's a long time, four years. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, sort of short period. Yeah, on and off. And then I'd do like a refeed period, but I never really, because yeah. if you think about it, if you had, like it's something that I had to do, so I could have programmed my life around it to make it work. So I could have had the adjustment, had a week, a down week, like no training, light on work, you know, and then the week after I do a whole refeed phase. But often like that week it just carry into the next one. I go, oh, shit, I didn't have that espresso in the morning. You know, like it's... You're busy. I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just one of those people, like, oh, I'm just busy. And I love my job so much. So I'd be high from like seeing clients and then go into the next session without eating or and then I get to the end of the day and go, oh, shit, I didn't eat today. But I got really good at living off that adrenaline. And that's something I see with a lot of people as well that don't intentionally diet they just get addicted to that adrenaline Mm. when they're not eating and they forget to eat and they're like oh but I feel so awesome all day Mm. I know I know I see that as well 
yeah, it's um, because you're a bit like me, aren't you? You have to remember to eat. Yeah, I like really like am purposeful. Yeah, like every three hours, make sure I eat enough. I've got to make sure I eat enough carbs. Like if I eat under twenty five hundred calories, I just have this shit asleep. You know, and I have to eat more on my training days. Um, and you know, because you just get busy, like you know. And if you don't, and I think so many women do the same thing, and it's like you just have to make a commitment to yourself, mm. make it a priority. And I think especially if you're going to train, you know. Like if you're not training, it's not – I mean, it is obviously it's important, but if you're training, you need even more fuel if you're strength training, mm. of course, and especially if you want to perform well in the gym. And I think too many uh, – like it's such a simple thing that really is so beneficial. And I think so many women are not doing the basics, you know, and they're looking for this quick fix. And it's like if they just ate consistently and ate more food and balanced their blood sugar, you know, and ate the liver and the oysters and the carrot salad – and did it mm. consistently, they'd feel so much better. So much better. Yeah. So much better. But we're so attached to this idea. Well, people are attached to the idea of weight loss equals health. Totally. Well, they, or they just want to look better. Because the thing is as well, no one ever said to me, yeah. yeah. But I have client, I've had clients that come in to see me. Mm. I think I was telling you the other day, this woman came in to see me and she was wearing a puffer jacket in the middle of summer. You know, not summer, but cold. like a. It wasn't winter, and winter in Sydney's cold, but it wasn't winter. You know what I mean? It's not mm-hmm. that cold. I mean, I wasn't in a puffer jacket, and um, she's so cold, and she's telling me she had all these problems, and and I asked her what she ate, and it was you know it was like a smoothie for breakfast and a salad for lunch, and and I was just like, she's probably only eating like a thousand calories by the sounds of it, and then, but she was. Meanwhile, working with this functional medicine practitioner or functional integrative doctor or whatever and just on, you know, a shit ton of supplements and oh, I know. All these, these blood tests. I know this. I've got this, this high polarity. I've got adrenal Ooh. fatigue. I've got all these it's syndromes. Like all, <laughs> it's like all you fucking need to do is eat more, train less, rest less. <laughs> like, you're right, though. Yeah. You see all these practitioners. Like, naturopaths and you know and they're like are, are you even looking at the fundamentals but no we'll just prescribe them all these crazy ass supplements i know well i think those doctors look at that women go well you're not overweight so you must be eating the right things mm-hmm. and so we'll just focus on all the other stuff but you know then it buys into i think for those people as well like it's <sighs> those people don't eat a lot of food either i think because there's a trauma and they you know value themselves totally on how they look yeah and then so skinny equals beautiful skinny equals love whatever it is and then there's people who have had trauma in their life Mm. you know grown up in an environment where they have their adrenaline and cortisol released every day Mm. and you escape as an adult, if you haven't dealt with that trauma, you have to, you know, sometimes that adrenaline and cortisol can be what fuels you. Like it was certainly something like that for me when I grew up. I grew up in a really violent household. You know, my parents were always fighting and my mother, she didn't have a good education, so she was quite disempowered. And so I was like, oh, I'm just going to work really hard so I can, I'll never end up like my parents. Like I'll always have this independence. And and so I used that to do really well at school. I used it to do really well at uni. I used that to set up my own business. But at some point I had to stop and go and get therapy because I was just working myself to the ground 
mm-hmm. running on this stress hormone to try and not be something that I didn't want to be rather than working towards something that I did want to be. So I think a lot of people never actually go and do the work through that trauma. So they become addicted to the adrenaline and the cortisol. And then one of the best ways to recreate that other than working too hard and having that stress all the time is to not eat. Because when you don't eat, you mobilise adrenaline and cortisol and you get that same adrenaline rush. You know, I see this a lot all the time too. Um, You know, I was talking to this male potential client and he was doing, he was only eating 1,700 calories and then he was training twice a day. And so I said to him, why do you train in the afternoon? He said, oh, because I feel tired, so I train to wake myself up, right? And then I was listening to about his job and I was listening about his childhood. He grew up in quite a traumatic environment and that's just this classic case of being addicted to this stress hormone and having to push yourself and, you know, um, just also couldn't make the connection that he's running on adrenaline and cortisol and having to recreate that environment. That's what motivates him, keeps him going. So, you know, people... I think if you truly want to heal, it's not just about food. It's not just about training. It's about facing your traumas. And that doesn't mean you have to go to therapy and talk about them and relive them. I think, you know, some of the coaching stuff that I use is really helpful because it's looking at, well, that trauma actually belonged to my mum and that trauma actually belonged Mm -hmm. to my dad. doesn't actually belong to me. You know, they're just people with their own fucked up upbringings and they're just doing the best that they can. And so I'm going to remove myself from their thoughts, beliefs, that environment, and I'm going to become a person who's really self-responsible and self-parents and, Mm. you know, creates my own world. And, yeah, part of that is cutting away from that trauma. And that's what writing a food diary is. It's being a grown-up. You know, it's it's it, being a food diary is like in archetypal coaching. I would call it like adhering to the law, the universal law of the father, right? So the the role of a father, the ideal father, is to create structure and order, and teach that to his child mm. and systems. And then the child goes off, and those those systems also give the child insight into himself, the themselves, the world. And then to become a grown-up, he takes those systems and puts them in place in his own life and then he decides, well, that doesn't work for me, that works for me, change it around. But I know that because the system gives me insight so that the, the law of the universal father is insight. And so I think a lot of people have trouble writing a food diary <laughs> because it's this creating structure and order and getting insight into yourself. Whereas we're so busy, we're so focused on, and it's part of the way we've broken up, brought up as well, we're so focused on external gratification mm. and someone telling you you did a good job, did a bad job, you know, like all that stuff. And so when you ask someone to sit down with a food diary, because I don't know if you probably find this in your program too, right, like mm. people don't want to do food diaries at the beginning. They're just, and they get really angry about it and we'll, find every kind of excuse possible to not do it. And it's like, well, you can't, and you know, as a coach too, you can't give someone an 1,800-calorie diet if they've only been eating 1,200 calories. But I wouldn't know if they'd only been eating 1,200 calories if they didn't fill out the bloody food diet. Mm. (laughs) You know, so then I would give them 1,800 calories and then, of course, they'd put on weight. Yeah. (laughs) Right, so you need it for their own benefit as well, but they're so uncomfortable with it. And I think it's 
it comes back to that I'm so uncomfortable with sitting with myself. Mm. I'm so uncomfortable with um, tuning into my own body because the way I was brought up was to impress mum, impress dad. Mum, did I do a good job? Dad, did I do a good job? You know, it's all this external motivation. So then when you feel shit about yourself, you have to go, okay, cool, I'll do a diet. That'll make me feel better. Or I'll have lots of relationships where I don't actually get any love, but just sex. And then I'll get upset because nobody loves me. <laughs> just sex. <laughs> you know, this, just, like this is where addiction yeah. starts, right? It's like this. <laughs> mm. it, it, <laughs> well, we've all done it, you know, yeah. like. Yeah. It's, it's like, I think, you know, like there's, it manifests itself, does it in different ways, you know. So many women in our program, they talk about it, you know, on their lives and they use drinking and binge eating to suppress, you know, feelings and rather than facing up and sitting in it and dealing with it, it's just easier to run away, um, you know, and like you say, it manifests itself in different ways for different people and for a lot of women, it's the restrictive diets. And I always felt like for me, it was control. Like when I was skinny and not eating, I was in control, you know, and I felt like, yes, fuck yeah, I look skinny. I'm good. I'm happy. But really it was just a way to push down whatever it was that I was trying to actually, I just didn't want to deal with it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's an avoidance thing, you know, and it's filling up space because when you've got that thing to control, you can constantly think about the thing. It's like, you know, for me it was cleaning. I remember I used to be a neat freak. Mm. And so I remember when I got my own house, I just clean it all the time. I was so happy to have my own house. I just keep cleaning it. And if someone came over and cooked, you know, I'm like, oh, the stink sink's got a spot on it now. I've got to wipe the sink. I'll just be like cleaning up after the, like it's lunatic. And you now I don't, you know, I still like a clean house, but I don't care so much. It's like, oh, well, clean it later, you know. Mm. But at that level of like constantly thinking about cleaning or keeping something tidy or having an obsession about anything that takes up all of your time is really just that, you know, I've, I don't want to think about me. I don't want to think about my trauma. I don't want to do something for myself because it's too hard or, you know, I've been taught as well. A lot of people are taught if we do things for ourselves, that's selfish, you know, mm. you know, even like saying, even saying that you're happy with the way you look is like up yourself or something, you know. Mm. And in Australia we have that huge problem of tall poppy syndrome. Like you can't go around and say that you achieved something amazing because, you know, then you're big noting yourself. Yeah. I mean, what a load of rubbish. Yeah. So it's societal, right? Mm, totally. It's, um, you know, and it starts in childhood. The way we talk to our kids, actually one of the guests on my podcast, Fermi, mm. talked about praising children and that's where it can often start to. That's where judgment starts because a child will, I find it so fascinating with my daughter too to watch her. Like if you let her do something herself and like totally let her own something and it's really annoying right as a parent because you're standing there and you're like oh my god can you just put your freaking shoes on like I really want to get out of here and she's got them on the wrong feed and then she's like doing it over here and like it's such a long thing but when she finally gets her shoes on and she's done it herself and then she looks at me and she goes oh, I did it all by myself yeah. like we don't praise ourselves because what would have happened for a lot of us is we go oh you know, you're taking too long, so I'll do it for you. Mm. Um, so you never get that experience. Or you would go, oh, you put your shoes on, like have this celebration about it, you know. Mm. And so the child learns that, oh, if I do this for myself, somebody else will gratify me and make me feel good about myself. 
Do you see what I mean? They don't have that, oh, I put my shoes on by myself and I do, you know. So um, and I think it's getting worse now too. Like I see parents at the playground and they're like, good sharing, good this and good this and good like every five seconds. It's good, good talking, good this and that, you know. And you see children stop and look and they do something. Oh, are they watching? Am I a good girl? Mm. You know? And so I think it's almost going to be worse, sadly, in the future because we're so hardwired for external praise. Mm, and external validation. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Totally. And so many ways that you can do you can get that, you know, like you were talking about looking for love. You know, like I definitely had a problem with it. Like I've refused to be in a relationship for a really, really long time and I'd have sex. Sex yeah. was really good. And I'm not I'm not putting down anyone that likes going out and having sex and stuff, but it I think there's always a part of you that's denying like the true self. Totally. Like, it's, like I wanted to have sex, but then I would wonder why I didn't have a boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I didn't really want one because I wasn't open to it, but I was just having the sex. It was like an external gratification yeah. some way without me truly getting in touch with what I wanted, which was love and connection, mm. you know, or having to give up away any of myself. So I think we all have a period in our life when we do it with something. Yeah, yeah. So for a lot of it, it's, a lot of us it's food and control but or training or whatever. But it could be anything. It could be shopping. It could be smoking. It could be Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> it could mm. be trolling for hours and hours on Instagram. Mm. Any, any, you know, getting like avoid <laughs> to avoid sitting yeah. up it. Yeah, I think too when a lot of women start this journey, like I find it now, program too. Like they're like, oh wow, I'm just like digging deep and uncovering all of this shit. You know, that, and like you say, so much of it's not just the nutrition and the training. It's, it's so much more. There's so much more yeah. to it. And it makes you face things because you can't use the diet and the training anymore mm. to get that quick, I'll just drop weight quickly or starve myself or, you know, I've actually got to sit in this. And some, like a lot of women, well, I guess it varies actually. I shouldn't say that. Like you can't paint everyone with the same brush because some women come into our program just lose straight weight straight away. You know, some women... Yeah need to actually gain weight and they'll never be the weight like me that I once was. Um, but a lot of them, you know, like you, like maybe they've got really bad metabolic issues and they have to gain some weight and they have to sit mm. in that for a while and mm. it's really uncomfortable and they really struggle with it. Oh, it's so confronting. It's so confronting. And I can say it like I've had it like full on confronting because I work in the fitness industry. <laughs> Mm. and you know like I drop my daughter off at school and chat to parents like what do you do and I don't want to tell them mm. <laughs> like I went through a while which when we go out for dinner I go don't tell anyone to do just tell them I'm a housewife I don't want to tell everyone what to do because they must just go what about that fat cheek like she's a health coach oh my god I wouldn't want to get health coaching from her like what does she know about health mm. you know and then I used to do quite a lot of presenting before like teaching personal trainers um rehab and nutrition and I, I haven't been able to bring myself to do that since this happened I'm like I don't want to stand in front of a room of you know I've got estrogen dominance my gut's enormous <laughs> you know like I don't want <laughs> it's yeah it's 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 hard but the thing is that yeah I've had 
to really just sit in it. Like I understand exactly what's happened scientifically. So I know that if I don't just go through the, through it and do what I need to do to heal, it's I'm just going to get worse. Yeah. But I obviously have days where sometimes I text you and I'm, you know, just like, <laughs> I fucking hate this shit. <laughs> Which I think is normal. Like I just think it's so unreasonable anyone could just go, oh, just it's okay. Like just you shouldn't worry about it. Like... You know, like that's it's um it's unreasonable. You know, yeah, I, I well, think it's really great that you talk so openly about it. I try, I try to. I also think you know people must get sick of hearing it as well. But like you know, we're sure not actually haven't got married yet. We call each other husband and wife because because I don't want to get married looking like this. Mm. Like I look at we had a photographer at my daughter's birth, and I look at those photos all the time. Mm. I want to look at my wedding photos all the time. Like I look at my birth photos and I go, wow, fuck, I was strong and I was amazing and I see all the beauty in it and stuff. I don't want to look at my wedding photos and go, oh, God, I was fat back then. I reckon so many women who are listening to this will be like, oh, I just rel- I can relate so much to this. Well, yeah, I mean I hope that it helps women because I think we're, we think that we're not allowed to feel bad about stuff. Mm. you know and part of healing is feeling bad Mm. and owning the emotion of whatever it is that you're going through you know oh I had a one-night stand and I regret it well like sit in the regret and own the regret otherwise you'll just go and keep having one-night stands yeah and what and go why do you regret it because there's nothing wrong with having a one-night stand why do you regret it is it because you actually really want to be in relationship okay cool so you know own that. Mm. Own, you've got to go through the regret to go, okay, well, actually, underneath the regret is loneliness. Mm. I'm like, you know, like you've got to go through these emotions. So if you never go through that, you'll just keep having one-night stands and never go into a, the beautiful relationship that you always wanted. And that's mm. another addiction, right? It's covering up the loneliness. But underneath that loneliness is just a person who deserves love. Mm. And so you have to own those emotions. So I guess like me owning it too. Like I never understood what I was like to be overweight before. Mm. So now I have this amazing empathy for my clients mm. who are overweight. Um, but also empathy for like the wanting to run away from the process. Like, you know, because... I think one of the big things that you work out when you're on this process for a lot of people is that you've actually committed self-harm for a really long time. Yeah. And that's really hard to own. I have been hurting myself repeatedly over years because I didn't think I was worthy. Mm. And owning that, not like, not blaming oh I went out with all these guys and they were all dickheads or you know my mum never loved me which which hurts I get that but you can't go through your life saying that you've got to go I'm a grown-up now and what is going on for me right now is I am committing self-harm to myself because I don't feel worthy of loving belonging Mm. like you have to step into that space because then you'll go all right what's the most loving thing that I could do for myself I'll start with a food diary. 
Yeah. You know, you don't have to go, oh, I'm going to go and do $500,000 worth of therapy. I'll just start with a food diary. I'll just start with breakfast. You know, like I said to one of my my clients, she really wants to have a baby. And I said to her, okay, so what would, to me, I think the part of becoming a mother is Mm. learning to mother yourself first, take care of yourself first. So I said to her, what would you do if when your baby woke up in the morning screaming and crying? And she said, I would feed it. And I said, cool. So (laughs) the first thing that you have to do to get over all the stuff that your parents did or didn't do for you or the stuff that you're left feeling that you don't want or all the stuff that you want from a partner, you have to be able to do that yourself. Mm. So you need to get up in the morning and hold yourself like a little child and go, I love you. Mm. I'm going to make you breakfast. Yeah, it's like in a way it's I think it's like taking extreme ownership. Like I feel like that's one of the best things that I've ever taught myself is like that day when I was like, okay, that's it, Kitty. I'm not going to be a victim. Not that I was ever a victim of anything, but feeling sorry for myself and, you know, like what what was me and going, well, how, like, like you say, I did, I spent 70 years of my life doing this shit to myself. It's like you're the only one who can make it better. Like you need to take ownership and responsibility and why do you keep binge eating? Why do you keep binge drinking? You know, we keep taking the easy way out instead of actually, you know, doing the shit that you need to do and showing up every day. And you know, it, it, it is hard and it does mm. take time. And I think you do fuck it up and you make mistakes and you stumble and then, but it's like, it's like that, you know, commit. it's a commitment, I think, to just going, I just want to live a better life. You know, I don't, I don't want to be well, well is me anymore. And it's too hard. And, you know, like it's, you feel so empowered. I think when you take extreme ownership, mm. I think like it helps you in everything, your relationship, your work, you know, um, I don't know. Would you agree? Yeah, I'm definitely, I think, I mean, I think it's like, it comes back to like the hero's journey, right? Which mm. is understanding that to become a mature adult, you have to go through the phase phases of life to get to that and you can take you can basically apply this to everything that you do so you do a new training program right for instance Mm. kitty like something that's not trivial not hugely emotional you get so freaking excited about the training program right because it's a new one (laughs) so now you're in the phase of the child (laughs) we're like oh my god it's new it's exciting right and then at some point in your training program no matter how good the training program is there's going to be a plateau totally and this is where you like go Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or it's really hard. I'm just not getting results or whatever. And this is the phase of the teenager because the teenager needs to like either, you know, you kind of got to bring your own spin into it. And this is the bit in food coaching. It's like, okay, well, Kitty taught me everything about macros, but now which macros actually work for me? Mm. So you might start rejecting Kitty's program and start trying my own thing. That's the phase of the teenager. This is why teenagers go off on these rebellious things and, like, I'm going to do really weird things that are opposite to my parents. But then to move into the mature adult stage, you have to own that stuff that you learned that was your own. Mm. So, like, it's your job, Kitty, to go back to Craig, who's running training programs, and go, I just don't like that exercise. Yeah. Like, show me a different one. Or, like, how can I... You know, it's it's not your job to do everything that he says because mm. if you just do everything that he says all the time, you'll just get pissed off with him, mm. right? And if he's a coach that doesn't understand this process of moving into the mature adult, he'll be like, Kitty, you have to be compliant to everything that I say, right? And I think this is a massive problem mm. in the health industry. 
Mm. Right? Coaches are like, this is the program. You are compliant. If you're not compliant, then you're fucking defiant and you're, you, you have to punish yourself and you go back to the beginning and you start again. Mm. And so then the client goes, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And I fucked up. And I, I'm, I don't know why. Like, I'm just, okay, so this is where we binge eat. <laughs> this is where yeah. we, like, cry you know turn into a hole we give up then we go back to the end and we come back to our coach and go okay I'm all ashamed and I feel bad and I'm so sorry can I start over again and this cycle just goes around and around and around and around again this is why your program is so good with what you're doing because you're like okay cool now you're in the phase of the teenager where you're like I really don't like liver kitty <laughs> and so cool you're gonna go do you want to take the beef liver capsules oh I can't remember to take him okay cool um if you don't take them, this is what happens. Oh, cool. I can see that in my food diary that I really need liver. Okay. So be a grown up, set a reminder in your phone, whatever it is, take the beef liver capsules. Mm. You're not like chastising them. It's there in the diary. Mm. Oh, look, you need more copper. You need more vitamin A. Like it's, mm. so you, then you're empowering people because they go, cool. I see what happens when I make good decisions for myself mm. and now I'm a mature adult and I can, you know, accept that I'm in power of my own destiny. And then, you you know, you move forward through the stages and I think one of the big problems in the fitness industry is we don't honour that. People need to go on and do their stuff, right? Mm. And, you know, it's part of it's the sales models, right? Like, you know, they just want people to do their program over and over again and mm. live in it forever, Whereas, you know, you're probably like me. I want new people. I want to meet new people. <laughs> and I, I want all the people that were successful to go off and yeah, have amazing, them. successful lives yeah. and tell other people about it. Yeah. Well, you want them to be able to, like, take ownership because yeah. it's like it's like giving them a framework to work in because it's not like this exact diet. We all do the same diet. We all do the same training. It's like, okay, here's how you measure whether it's working or not. And here's how you can do different things to change it and like optimize it for you. Cause it's like, we talk about every, it's different. Like the before bed snack that works for me might be different than works mm. for you. The specific training program, how much volume you can handle, how much recovery you need. Like it's just, it's, I think empowering women to actually learn and understand how it all works and their symptoms, you know, like the temperature in the pulse and the sleep and the menstrual cycle. And, you know, cause it's like, everyone's different and like some people can just handle more stress like they've got a higher stress tolerance and they're like well how come this person can train four days a week and eat this much food and do this and do this and still have good and like well that's just them like you got to stop comparing you know like you've just got to look at yourself and what your body's doing and what you can actually handle and I think find your happy place like you said you can't train now you just can't fucking train like yeah you know it's but I think it's hard because it's not like just do this exact diet and you're going to get this result. Like it's mm. like this long bloody process journey that we all go on and that, you know, even I'm, you and I have been doing this for a while now and I'm still on the journey learning stuff about my body and what it can handle. Oh, I don't think I'm you'll like, ever stop learning. Nah. Same. Sometimes I worry like, oh, you know, am I not smart enough or? I'm like, do I need to learn more? And then I look at Tomo and he still thinks he needs to learn. I'm like, more. And I'm like, well, if you need to learn more, then. <laughs> I think what's funny though, it's like, like, know, like the, no one, yeah, the clients who get the best results are like, we all do the same basic shit. Yeah. Like, eat enough food, eat enough protein, eat this, like, you know, easy to digest carbohydrates, eat the liver, eat the oysters, eat the carrot salad, get sun, reduce stress, don't train too much, you know, have some fucking fun, have sex with your partner, 
<laughs> like it's not go out in the sunshine, walk in yeah. the grass, like yeah, get off your yeah. phone. Yeah, it's not rock. It's not actually really rocket science. And I feel like sometimes people can overcomplicate it with like too many supplements. And and I know myself because I've tried every fucking supplement, like every supplement. And often for me, it's just been I've had to just eat a bit more and rest more. Like that's yeah. all it was that I needed to change. It wouldn't didn't matter how much extra magnesium I took or how much extra aspirin I took or whatever. It just all I needed to do was rest more and get more fuel into me. And then I felt better. Mm. You know, like it's just, I think. Yeah, people forget it's all about recovery. Like recovery is key. Yeah. 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 Totally. Like you only adapt, your ability to adapt to any kind of stress is completely dependent on your ability to recover from the stress. Mm. And even if you want to get fitter, you want to grow more muscle. Like when you train, you make tears in the muscle and then your body has to provide energy to the muscle to repair the damaged tissue and the muscle grows back bigger, mm. right? And I just so find this so fundamental, like it's so interesting that people don't understand this fundamental thing of training, right? Oh, so how can you grow muscle if you're only eating 1,700 calories if you're yeah. a guy? Or if you're training calories. every yeah. day. Like you're never giving your body that chance to actually, like I've found that I just train less and less now, like intensely but less, you know, because it's like, especially as you get stronger, you just, you need the more recovery time, you know, but it's so hard because the fitness industry now drills into you, do more, do more, do more cardio, you know, like just do more everything, but you need to do less. Yeah. You need to do less and need to make it way more simple. Oh, totally. I mean, someone sent me a message. Okay. So yes, I work with really high complex injuries, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I've got someone in the moment that's got this, two shoulders are doing completely different things and their neck's doing something. And so I've got to break that all apart and give her all this rehab exercises. So that's complex. And, you know, but my goal is to get her be to back to be able to do simple training, mm. just compound exercises, deadlifts, squats, yeah. squats, bench press, chin-ups, yeah. yeah. lap pull-down. Like they're just the basic like exercises. Like you don't need you know, the fitness industry went crazy for a while. It was all these like fun, functional exercise, you know, functional, oh, know. what's functional, like this buzzword of like standing on Swiss balls and like mm, all sorts of crazy stuff. I mean, if that's fun, if you find that fun, mm. yeah. Yeah, do it. If you, <laughs> like if you find that fun, just do it for fun. Mm. But it, it's, you know, like if you want to get strong, <laughs> you need to lift weights, right? And I think we people really take for granted as well. Like you should be able to, deadlift and squat your own body weight Mm. so women come and go i'm doing strength training and they're like oh i'm doing you know 20 kilos 20 kilo squats you know and i'm like well you're not 20 kilos you're 60 Mm. 70 kilos you need to be able to squat 60 70 kilos yeah at least yeah so at least a minimum so you know there's a lot of people too that are just wasting their time (laughs) with training like that's why you're not getting any results. So what they do is go, okay, well, I'm not getting any results. I've done like 100, you know, 20 kilo squats and I'm not getting any results. So I'll just go starve myself. Yeah, or do some more cardio. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So it's a bit sad really because people think that they have to train so much when mm-hmm. they really have to. And even when I was running my busy studio and, 
you know, you had all the staff and stuff. People say, oh, you're so fit. You must train so much. I was like, not really. I only have time to train like twice a week. Yeah, I know. I was I know. so busy. I'll just do two really good weight sessions twice a week and the rest was just fun. Like I just. You do what you, you know. enjoy. I just don't enjoy anything else. I'm just. You're so funny. I'm just <laughs> We're so different. I, I like walking Winston and going for swims in the ocean. It, at the beach near in front of us and I just like strength training and I, you know what I've resigned myself to the fact that it's okay to be like that kitty it's like you don't have to like a million things it's like if you fucking love strength training just be amazing at strength training you know like I still get so excited about new exercises in my program no, they're not like they're completely new but like I haven't done them for a while like we've got the smith machine these hacks miss squats and just being better like really mastering the craft of lifting yeah. and I think like you say you just got to find what you love like do yeah. exercise and movement that you really really enjoy um obviously if you want to build muscle the only way you can do that is like lifting progressively heavier weights but you know fuck if you want to do dancing go and learn how to dance yeah like do the gymnastics like you said or do I don't know if you like boxing go and learn how to be a proper boxer and do it and fuel your body and eat you know, um, instead of doing all this shit just to try to look better, I think is where people go wrong. Yeah, I just, I think anything where you actually get inside your body. So for me, like the gymnastics and all that sort of stuff, I, I really liked dance when I was a kid, but I was too unco. Like I was just way too unco to be a dancer. And everyone always thought I was a dancer because I was so skinny. I'd walk in the room and they'd all, and then they'd be so disappointed when they saw me dance. And <laughs> I was so unco. And then I was too tall. Like I went to gymnastics. His mum was like, maybe you like gymnastics better, but I was way too tall to be a gymnast. I'm five foot nine. And, but I just love, and when I was an adult, I just went stuff it. I just want to do something where I can move my body right. And I remember I was in yoga and I kind of like yoga. And I was like, oh, I just, I didn't like all the ego stuff and the mm-hmm. talking. And, but I, what I fell in love with is acro yoga because it's mm-hmm. anything to me where I have to find strength in my body to hold in that position. And that's what I love about gymnastics you know, or um, I just love that feeling of going, oh, my God, my body can do that. Mm. You know, like when I set myself a goal, I'm going to be able to do a handstand and an understanding. So for me, like because I, you know, obviously studied this so much and work with clients, for me it's like a breakdown in my head, like all the muscles and what they're doing and all the alignment and everything. And I just love that. But I have no, I don't have anything competitive in me. I'm not interested by like I really don't get motivated in my training program by like I can lift this heavy. Like I just wanted to get to 100 kilos and once I got there, okay, that's cool, I'm done. Mm, I don't go, oh, I want to get to 110 now, I want to get to 120. I'm just like, oh, I'm done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have that drive. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's go back to, I don't know, the splits. Let's do the splits next. <laughs> and know that if you want to do a 100 kilo deadlift, you can't do the splits. They're two different things to train yeah. for, right? That's the other thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. Oh, I know. I think, yeah, it's all poor women. Like they're just so confused and they're so, they're just confused. They're so confused. It's so, it's so, it, yeah, we've overcomplicated it, I think, a lot. Yeah, we've mm. totally overcomplicated it. It's really simple. When you get up in the morning, have something to eat. <laughs> when you're hungry, <laughs> eat some food. When you're hungry, eat some food. Yeah. Yeah, like if you're not a hero, you're yeah. not a hero if you push through hunger. Yeah, food is energy. I've got one client at the moment. She's like, I just keep saying in my head like a mantra: food is energy, food is energy, food is energy. Oh, she's like, it. and then I go, oh my god, like it makes so much sense. That just makes 
so much fucking sense. Why have I been starving myself all this time, right? You know, just it's so simple. Everything is simple. It's not that complex. There's just a whole industry out there that makes it so complex. Yeah, because everyone wants quick. It's quick. It's what's the quickest and easiest way that I can lose weight and get that instant gratification, I think. Oh, yeah, I get that. If someone said to me, I'll give you an injection tomorrow and all your fat will come off, I'd be like, yeah, give it to me. Give it to me. (laughs) I mean, who doesn't want it quicker? Yeah. You know, but I think it's like obviously your situation is unique. Like not everyone's really sick like you, but if someone has – you know, like put on a lot of weight over the years from like Sean McNamara is a perfect example in our program. She's lost like close to 30 kilos. She was hundred kilos to start with. Um, but she had, she, her, the most, I think, um, impressive part of her transformation has been her mindset. Like you talked about, mm. like she really dug deep and faced all of these insecurities she had about not being smart enough. And when hard things came up, she'd go and drink and binge eat and she used to run away so she actually faced those things. And then obviously as a result, she was consistent with training nutrition. She looks amazing now. Like she just looks healthy. Like she's spends time in the sun and her skin looks great. And she's obviously lost heaps of weight too, but she eats heaps of food, like 2,400 calories a day, strength trains three day, days a week. Um, but she really did the work and, and faced those fears, but it takes consistency. Like that transformation's taken her two years to get there. Like mm-hmm. no one wants to hear it's going to take me two years. They're like, I want to hear it's going to take fucking 12 weeks. But it's like if you just, it's I think you've got to get out of your head that it's it's something you're going to do for 12 weeks. It's like this is how you're going to live. Because it's like I always say to the clients in our program, I'm like what do you think it is that I do differently to what you guys do? Nothing. I do the same thing. I don't drink that. I do drink sometimes, but I don't drink frequently like I used to. I eat consistently. I prep my food. I train consistently. I listen to my body. I rest it is a way of living that's going to result in you looking like you want to look. Um, And I think that, yeah, we're Mm. too focused on like, it's like value-based living rather than results. Like don't do it for the result, do it because it's how you actually want to live your life. Yeah. Well, people also need to understand it's about changing your environment, right? And you're like, I can't tell you how many women I work with and I have to coach them through the process of going, I don't have time for that. Okay, so why don't you have time for that? Oh, it's because you have to get over the belief that you have to do everything for yourself. Mm. You have to go up to your husband and say, honey, Mm. I need you to cook dinner on Wednesday nights. And this is what happens in our house. So I can go lie in the sun because the sun's like hitting the deck really hard at that time. And I'm just going to go lie in the sun for 30 minutes and get over the fact, no, I'm not doing anything. I'm getting vitamin D. And yeah. I'm not doing anything. I'm just getting vitamin D. And yeah. also get over the fact that, oh, yeah, my husband's going to make a mess in the kitchen. You know, mm. all that stuff. Like, like people just have all this stuff that they've got to work through and get over. And that's what holds them back, you know. Mm. You've got to take account for that stuff. Like we really set ourselves up to be a product of our beliefs, mm. you know. Like there's so many women who don't think they're worthy of having 30 minutes to sit in the sun. Mm-hmm. There's so many women that go, I can't read a book. Yeah. I should be doing something. Yeah. It's like you've got to make that time for the downtime. You have to. Yeah, it just makes you. And even for me, like I just recently started because I get a bit addicted to my work. So, you know, and I did it. I did it last night. I'm far out. You know, I've got this client and you know she's got some stuff it's not really working i messaged tomo what do you think and i went out so i'm reading all these papers last night on t3 that's what you do at 10 o'clock at night okay. 
right? And I'm loving it. Sean's like, what are you doing? Stop doing that before you go to bed. You're not going to be able to sleep. And I'm like, oh, but I love it. I just can't stop on the next paper, next paper, next paper. And I go, okay, well, I love it, but uh, the truth is I don't sleep properly afterwards, right? Mm. And I just recently decided that at 7 o'clock at night I'm not allowed to read anything to do with work, right? Mm. Because then I stopped reading and that physiology stuff and I started reading um, psychology stuff. Sean's like, it's still work. I'm like, no, it's not. He's like, yes, it is. You coach people with psychology all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like stop lying to yourself. (laughs) So (laughs) then I've just downloaded Audible and I listen to novels. <laughs> and I cannot tell you the fundamental change like it's that it's made yeah, in my yeah, life yeah. is listening. And Tom, um, Sean's joking now because I was listening to this book that Tom Hanks was narrating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd go, shh, 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 Tom's reading to me. <laughs> I love Tom Hanks. Oh, man, he's such a good reader. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah. And so now, now I've got this obsession with books and so I, re- I actually read books and so I found because I couldn't, couldn't find time to read so I downloaded all audible now I listen to them yeah and I listen to them while I'm putting the laundry and I listen I just like just doing a simple thing because you'd think because I love what I do so much and you should do what you love you know I should it's okay to do it 24 7 but it's not it's still tiring and exhausting so now I listen to a novel every night for an hour under my red light and I you know it's made such a difference to my energy my mood my concentration my focus Mm. and people really take for granted how important those changes are totally and I still struggle with that too and it's a constant battle for me to continue to try and realign myself like that and go you know like read a book at night have the red light on you know have that downtime yeah totally but you have to you're right you have to do it because you just get tired otherwise you're just exhausted all the time because you just constantly pushing yourself and I think so many women are the same mm. Mm. I know even if you love doing what you're doing you still can't do it 24 do... nah you do have a break from it yeah um and actually because yeah. so, yeah, I think people yeah. keep it simple yeah totally totally and just uh because I'm just conscious of the time but maybe to finish off like what advice would you give to a woman who was going through this journey of healing and she was gaining weight? Well, I guess it's, you know, I feel like it's when it's someone who comes and works with one of us, it's easier because, you know, there's always a reason. Mm. There is always a reason. Um, and then there's a reason why I'm like I am. So I think it's we have to own what we've done to ourselves. Like I have to own the fact that I didn't eat properly for four years. Mm. I have to own that. Did I do it intentionally? No, not really. But, you know, it's part of what got me to where I am. Like I probably would have been more resilient to the mold. It's owning it and forgiving yourself, Mm. you know, and going, well, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do what I can every day. Mm. And I think it's, like you have to stop, you almost have to stop and do a like self-check. Mm. Like if I look at everything in my life, it's it's all pretty awesome. Mm. And I have to remind myself that it's awesome because I created it that way. Mm. It's not luck. So like it's a really good idea when you can't lose weight. You know, you, you don't, we put so much into weight. I think that if you spent the time to go, but what every, what is in my life that's good? 
like this is why like gratitude journals work really well or you know um affirmations work really well mm. because you got to focus on other stuff other than the weight mm. so you know i don't believe in luck i believe in work mm. whether it's doing the work on your emotional stuff like someone said, says, people say to Sean and I all the time, you guys are so lucky. And we were like, no, no, like we, it might appear that way, but we both like, you know, he was divorced. I had like long-term relationships. We, we both said no to stuff in our life that wasn't working for us. We went and did the work to attract what we wanted in our life, you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I think that we all need to stop and go, well, what, what, you know, what is good about me? There's a whole list yeah. of shit that's good about me. And no one else is going to think that that's good about me unless I think it's good about me first. Mm. And there's like 50 million other things that's good about me other than my weight and the way that I look. Mm. And I have to remind myself with work all the time, you know, like I'm actually really, really intelligent (laughs) and that is not hindered by the way that I look and I get results for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I have to. T- I I have to be honest. And I have to say that to myself all the time because I, I can tell you there is not a day that goes by that I think I shouldn't be doing this job because I'm such a fatty. Mm. You know, but so I have to sit down and go, okay, well that's just bullshit, right? You yeah. just got to get honest with yourself and go. But all my clients think any result. I've got heaps of clients, so I wouldn't have so many clients if I, you know, shouldn't yeah. be doing this. And most of the people who work with me really appreciate the fact that I'm overweight and I'm really open and honest about doing the work because mm. I see it in action, mm. you know, and I have to remind myself about that every day. Mm. So I think that that's my advice, women. You need to write, you need always like need a list or a journal and write everything that is good about you, everything that you're here to give to the world. You know, like I thought about giving up my job so many times and I read um, um, Marion Williamson's Return to Love. Mm. And the Course in Miracles, and she talks about, she says, who are you to be so selfish to think that your gifts belong to you and that you can just take them away from the world? Mm. Who are you to do that? Your Mm. gifts don't belong to you. They come through you from the universe, from God, whatever you believe in, and they belong to the world. And you're here to share that with the world. Mm. No matter what you look like, no matter what you feel, like what you think, like we all have something to give to the world. Mm. We're all an important part of the world and we are therefore worthy of love and belonging. Mm. So true. Good advice. Very good advice. (laughs) That was a bit deep. (laughs) It's It's like these little mantras. You've got to say that shit to yourself every day. I have to say it every day. Like I'm enough, I'm good enough, I can do it. You know, I have to say it every day. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's good. It's really good advice. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I enjoyed that so much. Well, thanks for having me. It was awesome. Thank yeah. you. Well, um, and I'm sure everyone really enjoyed it, and I'll put all the links to all your shit down below. Oh, shit. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Check out my podcast so they can, so they can find you. Um, but Leela's really awesome. We always have good conversations. Don't we? Too long. Yeah, talk- your turn to be on my podcast next and Emma yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, come on. Maybe we can come together. She That's saved me, idea. Emma. She saved me, actually. Well, Craig and Emma saved me. I know, she did. Mm, from all the stupid diets. Yeah, we don't give Craig too much credit, though. Yeah, he was responsible for the training, saving me from doing all the cardio. 
you know, taught me how to strength train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saved me with the diet. Um, but yeah, but that was no. Awesome. You know what? They just opened the door for you, and you saved yourself. That is so true. I did the work. Yeah, yeah. I'm like a rabbit down a or a rat up a drain pipe. Craig says he's like, "Fuck!" Once you're into something, you're just like, "That's it. I'm in." Like, <laughs> all in, <laughs> all in. Can't stop you. You're like the best kind of client too. Oh, totally. I had that with one of my clients the other night. She just like went off and did everything, and I said, "And I'm like, holy god." Like, I'm not ready for you. Hang on, I've got to prepare work for you now. <laughs> You're like, give me everything. I want to do everything. You just love it. <laughs> I'm like the I'm like the best client ever. You are. Thanks, honey. Oh, Thanks for having me on the show. It's oh, awesome. Thanks so much, and I'll um I'll speak to you again soon. Speak to you okay. soon. Bye.